Address the mess. This is our third week uh, in this series. We've talked about the fact that we are all messes. We made a mess, we've fallen into a mess, or we're one decision away from our next mess. We've also learned that Jesus loves us in our mess. It's at the place of our mess that we meet with God, that Jesus actually connects with us in the place where our life may be a mess. In fact, the scripture says in Romans that While we were still in a mess, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't come to save us when we had everything all fixed up, we were all cleaned up, we were all perfect. He came knowing all about our mess, and he died, he he gave his life, he rose again so that we could be redeemed from the messes of life. So Jesus loves us in our mess. We see in the Gospels how Jesus connected and interacted with many people uh, in their mess. We talked about several people last week, the woman caught in adultery. We talked about Zacchaeus, the, the, the thieving, you know, CRA agent. And we talked about, we talked about all kinds of different people that Jesus interacted with, not when they had cleaned themselves up, but when their life was still a mess. And we saw how Jesus impacted them and gave them an opportunity to, to, to live life anew and fresh. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about how God works in our life to clean up our messes and to deliver us from our messes. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I want to give you a little update on the mess that we've been dealing with at our home in our backyard. We told you a couple weeks ago and showed you this picture. Let's see the first picture here. That's our backyard after the snow melted and uh, we got a, a dog um, that likes to dig up the yard. So uh, we tried to grow grass last year. Lots of problems with that. It didn't grow very well. It didn't come back at all in the spring. And we had to figure out what to do. We had to address the mess of our backyard. So we've been talking about what we would do. And uh, we came up, we, we looked at some different options and we've come up with a plan. Now, as we started some work this week, so I'll give you a little show here. We uh, we dug out an area in our backyard and you see, I'm, I was this week I was laying all these little stones all the way around. Uh, we're creating a pad for our uh, trampoline. So we have a trampoline. The kids have a trampoline, and uh, and it makes a mess of the grass too. It does not help grass grow. All right. Okay. So uh, we had to figure out what to do with that. So we're making this pad. We're uh, uh, circling it with stone and then uh, filling it in with uh, playground stone or pea gravel. Okay. And uh, so that's going to ha- be happening this week. We got that uh, that stone ring done th- uh, yesterday, and uh, the the pea gravel comes on Monday. So we're going to be taking it from the from the driveway into the backyard and then we got to do something with the rest of the yard and uh, we'll maybe show you what happens there next week. We all, we did another thing this week. We had um manatee tree uh movers come in and they pruned our trees because our one of our big problems is that we have too much shade in our yard and the grass won't grow. So uh we had our good friends at manatee Manatee tree movers come and uh, they trimmed our trees. They got right up in our trees and our tall trees and they trimmed them out. And so we should get a little bit of light filtering through our yard. So we are addressing the mess in our backyard. And uh, so I hope you're addressing some messes in your life, and uh, hopefully that's a bit of an encouragement. But let's talk today about how Jesus works in our life to address some of the bigger messes, bigger things that happen in our life sometimes that aren't something that's easy to fix like a backyard. And I want to just mention, I want to just say first of all that, that living, following Jesus, living a Christian life is not about failing 
over and over and then going to God for forgiveness over and over. A lot of people think that's what Christianity is all about. It's about measuring up to God's standard and we fail all the time and we have to ask for forgiveness. We fail, we ask for forgiveness. We fail, we ask for forgiveness. You know, that whole, that whole concept of having to go to the confessional on a regular basis and whether that's, you know, whether in the Catholic tradition you actually go to, to the priest or whether it's in a different tradition and you go to an altar or you, or you just pray a prayer of, of, of repentance every day. Um, that's not really what what the Christian life is all about. That's not what following Jesus is all about. Andy Stanley says that's actually more of a country song than it is Christianity, you know, that failing and, you know, you know, getting the dog back, getting the, 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 the truck back, getting the girlfriend back, all those kind of things. It, it sounds more like a country song. And God, God doesn't want that for our life, this constant tripping up and failing and, and, and trying to do better all the time. The cycle of mistake and messes is to be expected, though. That is life for many of us. We, 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 we have this cycle of, you know, often falling into making mistakes and falling into messes. But we need to understand that God is not measuring our success in life or our Christian life or our, he, he's not measuring our, um, our, his love for us based on our perfection or our performance. It's not about perfection. It's not about performance. He has a measure that works at a deeper level. When he's looking at you, he, he can smile at you even when you're making a mistake, even when you fail. And the way I think about this oftentimes, and, and, uh, you know, it's Mother's Day, so you can, you can kind of imagine this. It's, it's often the way a parent looks at a young child. You know that they're making mistakes. So they, they're doing the same thing over and over again. It's not working. And you, you, you're working to train them and make them better, to improve so they'll mature and grow up, right? But as you look at them, you're not, you're, you're, you're not ashamed of them. You don't dislike them. You don't not love them because they have failed again. You keep loving and you keep, you keep giving. And that's how God works in our lives. The Christian life is not about avoiding or managing our messes. It's not, it's not about just trying to appease God when we make messes in our life. Because what, at the root of what the Christian life is all about is God wants to make you into something. He wants to make you into, he wants to make you into something so much better than you could even imagine for yourself. And Paul puts it this way. We're going to read a portion of scripture that's found in the, in the book of Philippians. So he wrote this to real people in a church. All right. In the city of Philippi, there was a church and they're real people just like you. And what he shares with them is he shares with them how God wants to work in our life to, to, to make us something. Okay. So here is Philippians 1 verses 3 to 6 and 9 to 11. Every time I think of you, Paul says, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. 
for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's break this portion of Scripture down a little bit. Paul says, I am certain that God who began a good work within you. You know that God is at work within you? God is, God is when, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, God begins a work in our life. He begins to, 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 to bring changes and, and he bring, begins to, to, to create something in us. He is at work in our life. But he's not at work necessarily in polishing the outside of our life. He's working on the inside. He wants to get down into the roots in our life, the things where, where we, where we, um, the place that we work from, where we get our sustenance from. He wants to, he wants to deal in those areas because he recognizes just to deal with the symptoms of our life isn't necessarily going to be helpful in the long run. And so, you know, when we talked about at the beginning, we talked about the the way we know that oftentimes our life has become a mess is when we don't measure up to the rules, the expectations, the rules of the Bible, the rules of, of, of religion, the rules of our culture, the rules of our family, and even our own conscience oftentimes condemns us because we don't really measure up to the, to the standard that we even have for ourselves. And so while we might look to those things to see where we've messed up, we don't look to those things to actually bring about change in our life. God is primarily concerned with what's going on inside of you, not so much about your behavior. Because he knows that if he can change you on the inside, your behavior is going to change. Those things that you don't like about yourself, those things that you, those things that cause you to fall into a mess from time to time, he knows those things will change if he can work on the inside of who you are. And he works from the inside out. This is a clear understanding of how God works when you look at the Scripture. Now, human logic doesn't always say that. Human logic says, well, get yourself all fixed up on the outside. Look good. Make sure you look good. Make sure you make a good impression. Make sure you, make sure you, you, you reach, you, you at least show that you're making an effort to get to a standard. And then you'll be good enough. That's, that's kind of how we work. But Jesus challenges this kind of thinking. Jesus actually criticizes people for thinking this kind of way. He, he talks to religious people in the, in, the, in the Gospels, and he says to them, you know, you clean the outside of the cup so that it looks good, but you fail to clean the inside of the cup, and you're going to be poisoned by what's inside, not by what's outside. You see, you know, you can have a cup like this, and it can look all nice and shiny, but if in the inside you've still got, you know, last yesterday's, or last week's, you know, little bit of coffee down there growing mold. You ever seen a cup like that? You don't want to drink out of that cup, right? It could still be clean on the outside, but it can be filthy, dirty, full of germs on the inside. And Jesus says that. He says, you know, you can clean up your life and you can look, you can put on your nice church clothes and you can, you can get all dressed up and you can behave in a way that impresses people. But if you're not clean on the inside, if you're not, if you haven't really changed on the inside, there's no value in it. So Jesus is more interested on the inside. You know, the Bible tells us that God looks on the heart. He doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't necessarily look at our achievements or our successes or our failures. He looks at the inside, what's going on in the inside. And Paul goes on to say, he said, now, 
he started a work and he says he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what it's saying is that God is committed to you right to the very end. As long as it takes, as long as it takes, he's committed to continuing and completing his work in your life. He plans to complete it, not just to help you manage your messes. It's not about curbing your mess-making behaviors and propensities. He wants to change who you are. You know, uh, a lot of tension over the last several years has been placed on on uh, people who have a problem. It's like an addiction with hoarding. You know, people that fill their house with stuff and, and you know, just can't stop. And, and uh, we didn't have a word for this years ago. I remember Hope's family going to visit one another family member and coming back and saying, you know, we were at their house and they have stuff everywhere. And there's just little paths through their house and there's stuff everywhere. We didn't call it hoarding back then. We just called it crazy. But, <laughs> but we come to understand that there's a serious problem on the inside there. That's not something we need to, we all, we've learned to be compassionate towards people that have, it's like an addiction. It's like a sickness that people might have. And we know that you can go in to a hoarder's house and you can clean up their house. But if you don't change the inside, it'll just fill up again. If you, if you can't really help them to deal with the issues that are underlying the, this, this problem, then you, you just, you, you really don't cure anything. You just kind of put off the inevitable in their life. So what we have to understand is that God is at work in your life and He's committed to completing that work in your life. He's committed to bringing real change and real um, help and healing and health in your life. That's God's commitment to you. Once he starts, once he starts, he wants to help you in life. He wants to bring you to a place. Just like, just like moms, you know, with their little kids, they, they, have, they have goals for their kids, right? You know, moms help us clean up our mess but it's not just about the mess. It's not just about the fact that we need to clean up our mess or that, you know, we made a mess. Or it's not about just discipline and, and order and cleanliness and all that kind of thing. Moms are invested in their kids. They want their kids to grow up to be responsible, to actually be productive in life. You know, moms, I think every mom hopes that by the time their child reaches the age of 40, that they're not cleaning up their messes anymore. Right? Was that, is that a goal of most of the moms here today? Yeah. You know, we, we hope that someday, <laughs> we, we even hope that someday maybe they'll be cleaning up our messes, right? As parents. Because we want our kids to grow up to be productive, to be, have meaningful lives, to be contributing to society, and doing something more than just cleaning up their messes. And that's how God is at work in our life. He has purposes. He has plans for us in our life. So Paul says, I pray. He prays for the people in Philippi. Now, what does he pray for? Does he pray that you would stay out of trouble and keep your hands to yourself? Is that, is that the sum total of his prayer? Is his prayer that you never do anything to embarrass yourself or me? Is that, is that Paul's prayer for the people? Is that you just behave yourself so you're not an embarrassment to me and you're not an embarrassment to others. I, I can remember times when I disappointed or embarrassed my mother. 
I remember the year that I ruined Mother's Day. I was, when I was a kid, I can't, I can't remember how old I, I was, but I remember I ruined Mother's Day. You see, we, go to, we went to church on Mother's Day every year. I went to church every, uh, all my life. Since I was about two years old, my parents took me to church, and Mother's Day was one of those Sundays you went to church, and it was always a special day in church. And the one year my, uh, in my church, they, someone made this huge cardboard um, shoe and painted it, and it was supposed to be like Mother Hubbard and her shoe. Is Mother Hubbard that had the shoe? Yeah, all right, okay. I'm trying to think of my nursery rhymes. So, and what we were supposed to do, we were sitting on the platform, which is kind of about this height. We were supposed to go, and we were supposed to have our family picture taken in front of the shoe. And I refused to get my, family, my picture taken with my family. I said, no way. I don't know what was going through my head. I don't know why I didn't want to get my picture taken. But for some reason, I didn't want to get my picture taken. And I ruined, I, my father told me, you have ruined this day. <laughs> and I remember that, you know? And, and, you know, I, I obviously may be embarrassed. I spoil things. But, you know, I, I think while, you know, that, that's what I was told at that time, I think my parents wanted something better for me even than that. And I think God wants something. So when Paul says, I pray that, he wants to pray for something that is real and something that is meaningful. And here's what he says. I pray that your love will overflow more and more that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So God's at work in our life. And what, what are the goals that God has for us? And I think Paul is kind of, kind of outlining the, the kind of goals that God has for us. These are the things that he's praying for for these people in this church. This is what he hopes for because he believes this is what God is at work in their life to perform and to do. He says, I, I pray that your life is, is just overflowing with love. God wants you to have a life that is overflowing with love. Not that you're just behaving yourself, but that, that there's, a, there's, there's spillage coming out of your life and it's spreading love around to, to the people around you. He says, you know, I want you to grow in knowledge and understanding. His prayer is that they would have wisdom, that they would have maturity, that they would live a life that really matters, he says. I pray that you live a life that really matters. That when, 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 when it comes around to, to, to the end of your life, that people will say, man, his life, her life really mattered. Some of us uh, on this Mother's Day, we, we, you know, we, we remember our mothers because they're not around anymore. They passed away. And we remember usually mostly the things that, that they're impacted our life for. And, and we know that because of who we are, our mother's lives really mattered. Most of us do anyway, that have lost our mothers. We know even though maybe they made some messes, even though they disappointed us from time to time, even though they, they, they didn't do perfect in raising us, we know our, our mothers made a real difference in our lives. They made, made things matter. And then Paul says something. He says, I pray that you'll be pure and blameless. Now, how do you ever achieve that? How do you ever achieve being pure and blameless? Can you actually live a life and never make a mistake? I don't think that's what he's saying. 
I think what he's saying here is that people will see you and they'll look past your faults. Because every one of us, nobody's perfect except for Jesus. Right? But if we can live a life that, that people would say, you know, Michael, he was a bit of a jerk sometimes. But he was a good guy. He made a difference in people's lives. I think that's what God wants for us in our life. He knows we'll never be perfect this side of eternal life. He knows that we won't, but we can live a life that makes a difference in other people's lives. And then even, even to the point where people will look past some of our mistakes and our failures and will give us credit for the good things that God has done in and through us. And that's where God is at work to do this inside-out transformation. This work that begins on the inside and it spills out into the outside. And people see the, the, what's going on in our lives as something that has an impact and it makes a difference. And I think this should affect how we pray for ourselves and how we, how we order our lives and our disciplines because sometimes we're overly focused on you know, doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, religion will even cater to that kind of thing, saying, you know, these are the, these are the six things you need to do in order to please God, or this is the, these are the ten things you need to do to be a good mom, or these are the five things you need to do to be a good employee. You know, we have these lists of things that, that we, we want to attain, and, 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 but focusing on those things isn't necessarily the thing that brings true character in our lives. And we need to pray, not Oh, God, help me not to do that anymore. Help me, God, to behave myself. Help me, God. I mean, yeah, we, that's, that's the results we want. We want a life that is pure and blameless, that people, that people are able to be blessed by us. But the work is done on the inside. So we ask the Lord to change us from the inside out. And the prayers in our life should, uh, when we pray for ourselves, shouldn't be so much about the outside, but Lord, do your work in me. We used to sing songs when I was growing up that invited the Lord to do a work in our life. And, uh, you know, uh, we used to sing songs like, Make me more like you, Jesus. Give me a heart filled with love. I remember one song. And these are the kind of prayers that we need to pray for ourselves. When we're praying for ourselves, don't, God's not so worried about what's going on on the outside. He knows that if you can be changed on the inside, if you give him permission to work in your life on the inside, he can actually change your character. You know, Jesus said one time that, you know, the words we speak come from the inside. It's out, of the, it's out of the heart that our mouth speaks. And usually it's our mouth that gets us into trouble the most time, Right? <laughs> at least does me. I said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, you know, and it usually comes out wrong. And, that's, and the Lord knows that what needs to change in our life is what is on the inside. So Paul says in his prayer for these people, he says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. What God wants to do in your life, in the, the concept, in the, in the area of the messes of your life, is He wants to change you from the inside so your life actually bears good fruit. Paul, in another letter to another church, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
And he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness. These are the things. This is the fruit that comes from our life. Now, how does fruit come from a plant or from a tree? It comes through maturity, through, through, through the development that of the unseen things that are happening in the plant or in the tree. You don't see what's going on inside. You know, we have a, a little crab, we have a big crab apple tree in our yard, and uh, in our backyard. And, uh, you know, it produces the most beautiful flowers. Right now, it's just got these dark red lumps on the end of the branches. But maybe within the next seven days or so, poof, there'll be this massive pink flowers. And then will come these little red apples. And, uh, and you we can't do anything with them, but the birds like them and they stay there all winter and, you know, the squirrels eat them and the birds eat them and, you know, they, they, they provide, they provide for, for nature around. And that's maturity. That's what growing up is all about. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to work in your life, in your heart, deep inside you, so that you become fruitful, so that actually it's not even about you anymore. It's not about whether you behave or not. It's about how productive you are, how other people are blessed by your presence, how other people are touched by your words and and, and by your kindness, your selflessness, your goodness, how your self-control helps to build other people up. See, it's the fruit of your salvation that God is most interested in. He's interested in you becoming a mature person, a fruitful person, about becoming someone that actually makes a difference. God is focused on making you fruitful, and that comes with maturity. The Christian life is not primarily about doing what is right. That's kind of an Old Testament way of thinking. That's kind of like, you know, follow these rules and, you know, it, it's kind of primitive to, to live that way. That, and Jesus said, you know, we got to put that aside. That's not, that's not the ultimate goal. The, the rules are there and they're important because they show us where we go wrong and they show us where the messes are and they show us how we need to be more dependent upon God. God meets us in those places where we fail. But he's not concerned about us uh, uh, just... M- uh, just cleaning up the outside of the cup of our life. He wants to clean up the inside. And the best way to move beyond your current mess and to prepare for all the rest of the stuff that life will throw at you is to let Christ complete the work he is doing in you. That is to move beyond the mess of your life and pursue something better. Pursue fruitfulness. Pursue Kindness and goodness and all of those things. So Paul says, just in summary here, Paul says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
you're here this morning, and I'm, sh- I, I, I'm assuming that it's because you want to be in a place where God is pleased with you, where God is at work in your life, where God, where you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to be a follower of Christ. Well, the thing that you need to do today, all you need to do is to allow him to work in your life. So in closing, I want us to pray a prayer together that goes like this. Heavenly Father, finish the work you have begun in me. Is that something you could pray honestly? Heavenly Father, finish the work you have begun in me. Ask the Lord today to finish the work that has started in you. Maybe it started last week. Maybe it started 50 years ago. Maybe it started Maybe it started last month. I don't know when God began to work in your life, but he wants to work in you. And if we will surrender to him and allow him to do the work in our life, he is going to make you into something special, something fruitful, something beautiful, something meaningful. The, 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 the mess of your life, the mess you may be dealing with right now is not who you are. The mess of your past is not how God defines you. And even the messes that might, you might find yourself in in the future is not how God defines you. He defines you by what's happening on in the inside in your heart. So would you pray this with me? Father, finish the work you have begun in me. Say it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, finish the work you have begun in me. Heavenly Father, finish the work you have begun in me. Lord, that's our prayer today. That's our desire. Lord, some of us are sitting here today and there are messes in our lives that we are, we're maybe ashamed of, we may be embarrassed about, we may feel like failure in some areas of our past or our current life. We may be fearful of the future, what kind of mess might come unraveled in our life because we're sitting, in, we're sitting on time bombs, Lord, in our relationships and our finances and different areas of our life, Lord, where we, where we see all kinds of things could happen. But our desire today, Lord, is just to give you permission to finish the work that you have begun in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for your interest in us. Thank you, Lord, that you care about us, that you love us, that you smile on us, that you care about who we are and what we will become. And so, Lord, we just invite you today to finish the work you have begun in us. And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen.